Our catechism question this morning is, what is sin? Let's say our answer together. Sin is rejecting or ignoring God in the world He created, rebelling against Him by living without reference to Him, not being or doing what He requires in His law, resulting in our death and the disintegration of all creation. Our short answer, let's say this together as well. Sin is rejecting or ignoring God in the world He created, not being or doing what He requires in His law. Our scripture is John 1, 3, 4. And let's say this together as well. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Robin, will you come and read, please? Good morning. We're going to be reading Psalms 21. The king rejoices in the Lord's strength. To the choir master, a psalm of David. O Lord, in your strength the king rejoices, and in your salvation how greatly he exalts. You have given him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. Selah. For you meet him with rich blessings you set a crown of fine gold upon his head. He asked life of you, and you gave it to him, length of days forever and ever. His glory is great throughout your salvation. Splendor and majesty you bestow on him. For you make him most blessed forever. You make him glad with joy of your presence. For the king trusts in the Lord, and through the steadfast love of the Most High, he shall not be moved. Your hand will find out all your enemies. Your right hand will fill, find out all those that hate you. You will make them a blazing oven with your appearance. The Lord will swallow them up in his wrath, and fire will consume them. You will destroy their descendants from the earth and their offspring from among the children of man. Though they plan evil against you, though they devise mischief, they will not succeed. You will, for you will put them to flight. Your bow will aim at their faces with your, with your bows. Be exalted, O Lord, in your strength. We will sing and praise your power. Amen. Dave Shackler, will you come and pray for us, please? Let's pray. Dear God in heaven, Lord, you are amazing, 
gracious God. Lord, thank you for pouring out generous gift of faith on us, filling our hearts with the joy of our worship this morning. Lord, thank you for this wonderful privilege coming before your throne to bring our requests and our love. And Father, you've made all these things for your glory and honor. So we thank you, Father, for all the little things, all the details that you bring, the wonderful blessing of yourself. So, Father, we thank you for our worship this morning. We pray your blessing on us again with your wonderful word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, just a couple things this morning. Again, we want to welcome you. Uh, no excuses about the change and use except to say this, the rose. Um, this is, I'm practicing for camp uh, uh, because this is how we're going to set it up for camp uh, as we have kids up. But I just liked it so much, I thought, you know what, we're going to do it early. And uh, uh, so I know some of you don't like change. Oh, well. So... <laughs> All righty. So, um, you know, a couple things that I just want to bring to your attention. Um, I know we didn't do announcements there in your bullet. Two things, and this all has to do with the Something More Family Festival uh, coming up on August 7th. There are cards in the foyer on the kiosk where you can pick up all your stuff. These are actual invitation cards that you could hand out to your friends and neighbors to invite them to come um, and bring them, whatever. But uh, that, that's the actual invitation card that we're using. Gives the dates, times, address, all those kinds of things are on there. So just be aware of that. The other thing that is happening, and uh, uh, and this is just awesome. Uh, so last Thursday, we met with a bunch of community members and uh, actually presented the whole Something More Family Festival to uh, uh, just a number of different community leaders. And we were invited um, as churches uh, to do two things. Number one to have a total church float that would advertise the Something More Family Festival uh, in the parade. So all the churches together will be, uh, we will have a float and uh, we will be handing out material, um, invitations, popsicles, whatever. But during the whole float, uh, as it goes through the parade, we need a number of people that would just love to volunteer to walk alongside and hand out things for the float, just inviting our, our um uh, our community to come. The other thing is, is that we were invited to set up a booth at the uh, 4th of July festival on the 3rd and actually hand out stuff at there. And there's like three to 4,000 people that show up there. So amen. I mean, God is working and moving and we're excited about it. And I just really want to encourage you to get behind this. This is just going to be an amazing opportunity uh, to, uh, to reach our community and abroad for Jesus Christ, and uh, we're just excited about what is what God is doing. So, um, be praying uh, specifically for this particular event. Be praying specifically for people that you would love to invite 
and love to see them come to Christ. Not that you have to wait for the event, all right? If God opens the door to share Christ, share Christ now and, uh, and, and do so. So anyway, as we move forward, this whole series that we've been in is, is really titled, We Believe. And, uh, and it really is going through the catechism questions. And today we, we come across a question, what is sin? And I just want to say in the title that it's not what you think, all right? But, you know, one of the things, I remember growing up in this church and and uh, we used to have someone that did a lot of cleaning in our church. And, and uh, she used to say, are you going to talk about sin? And, uh, and she, would, she would always throw that out and, and uh, uh, just loved her dearly. And, and it, not that sin is the only thing that churches ever talk about. All right. So, but, but yes, today we are going to talk about sin. And, uh, you know, one of the things, uh, I forgot to write the author down, but this author said, a human heart hates a vacuum. The human heart hates a vacuum, emptiness. We, we just don't leave God because we value him little. We always exchange God for what we value more. That's just a huge statement to think about. And this is, this is what the Apostle Paul is describing in the book of Romans. And really, if you want a treatise on sin, on grace, on forgiveness... On, on being restored to God, everything. Read the book of Romans from beginning to end. But in, in Romans chapter 1, the, the Apostle Paul says in 22 and 23, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images. Some of the things that we just sang about this morning. So from the word of God, from God's own word, from his testament, we know that God is our creator and he is our Lord Yet we exchange his rightful place in our hearts and lives for something lesser, for things that he has created. It's a battle that you and I wrestle with every single day of our lives. Just to give you a little example, um, I love rhubarb, okay, rhubarb stuff. Please, you know, I've, a number of people have made stuff for, for me, so don't feel sorry for me because I'm putting on my belt today. So... But anyway, uh, here's the deal. Um, I love rhubarb, and, and I got some incredible gifts of rhubarb this last week, and, and, uh, and I had to actually parcel out. Teresa actually helped me parcel it out in little, little squares and put it in Tupperware and put it in the, freezer, in the freezer so that I wouldn't just eat it all in one sitting. Okay, because I love it so much that I don't care how big the pan is. Seriously, no one can eat just one bite, you know? And, and uh, so, I, so actually, I've just been able to enjoy rhubarb and rhubarb the way that, that um, has been made. I've just been able to enjoy it all week. And I just want to say thank you. That's just been awesome. little side note, but it's a struggle. It's a wrestle. I love it, but I can't stop. I will eat till I feel miserable and then continue. And I, I want you to catch what I'm saying. We're laughing about it, but I want you to catch what I'm saying. You see, the definition of sin, if you will, uh, pastor and author John Piper wrote these words. He said, underneath all the misuses of money and sex and food and power is, and other things is this sinful heart condition, this depravity, if you will. He defines sin as any feeling or thought or action that comes from a heart that does not treasure God 
over all other things. The bottom of sin, the root of all sin, is such a heart, a heart that prefers anything above God. A heart that doesn't treasure God over everything else or everyone else. Sin is the deepest, strongest, and most pervasive problem in the human race. Folks, we need to catch that. We need to get that. That's why we're going through the catechism questions. We don't like to talk about this stuff, but it's important for us to understand. It it is a doctrine. There is a doctrine of sin. Okay, we need to understand it. In fact, once the Apostle Paul uh, made clear the essence of sin in Romans 1, 2, and 3, he goes on to show us the the magnitude, if you will, uh, of its power in us and over us. And let me just give you some references here. He speaks of sin reigning like a king in death, Romans 5.21. Holding dominion like a lord in Romans 6.14. Enslaving like a slave master, Romans 6.6, Romans 6.16 and 17 and 20. Sin is to whom we have been sold, Romans 7.14. It is a force that produces other sins, Romans 7.8. It is a power that seizes the law and kills, 7-11. And is, as a, sin is a hostile, it, it is a, a hostile occupying tenant who dwells, who dwells in us. Romans chapter 7, 17 and 20. And it sin as a law that takes us captive in Romans 7, 23. But I want you to understand as we, as we define sin, as we understand sin, and we don't like to talk about it, and I, and I just guarantee you that um, go out into the world that you live in, your workplace or people that you, that you meet, that you rub shoulders with every day, especially those that are unbelievers, and ask them to define sin. And you'll get some crazy answers out there. And most in our culture today will just just say, well, it's just not that big a deal. It's just not that big a deal. But I want you to understand that that sin is not mainly behavioral because that's what most people will say, well, it's just things that I do wrong. It's not mainly behavioral. And let me just kind of work through this. This deep, strong, pervasive reality of sin in us defines us. It defines you and it defines Me, until you and I are born again. Sin defines you. It defines you from the inside out. That's why the the miracle of salvation, it must happen. Or the deep hostility toward God will go on controlling and directing us forever. We just need to catch that and we need to understand that. Jesus put it this way, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I, that I said this to you. You must be born again. John chapter 3, 6 and 7. By virtue of our first birth, we are merely flesh, devoted of God's Spirit and life. But when we are born, uh, born of the Spirit, One of the things that we must understand is God's Spirit gives us 
spiritual life and moves us, uh, moves into us. And we live, we, we have life, if you will. We have life in him forever. That is so important for us to catch. We have life in him forever. And so Jesus makes these ideas, these comments, these truths that life comes with the light of truth. Jesus spoke saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In John chapter uh, uh, 8, verse 12, and so eternal life and true light are always together. We, have, we, we live in the light when the Spirit gives us light. We're talking about sin, but we're also talking about new life in Christ. You see, it's only when we understand how far removed we are from God that we will understand that we need God. Sin creates a huge vacuum, a huge need, folks. A need that is, as you really listen, what's being spoken about and talked about and discussed about in our culture today, there is the greatest vacuum in all the world. There is a need that God has created, and only he can fill it. To underline the serious bondage that we are in before a new birth, Paul goes on to say, nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. Romans chapter 7, verse 18. Nothing good dwells in, my, in me that is in my flesh. In my sinful being, there is nothing good. What we are apart from new birth in Christ, catch what I'm going to say, is the embodiment of resistance to God. It is the embodiment of resistance to God. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 8, 7, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Did you catch that? It cannot. Why can't the flesh change? It's a question that should be asked. Why can't we change? Why can't the flesh change? And here's the answer. Because it doesn't want to. Did you catch that? Because it doesn't want to. Why do we sin? Because we want to. We need to catch that. In our flesh, we disapprove of God as supreme. That's what it says in Romans 1.28. And we exchange him for created things. We believe. Here's what we come to believe. We believe that the things or other people will satisfy our deepest needs, our deepest wants, and our greatest desires. As great as the rhubarb pie was this week, it did not fulfill my greatest desire. It satisfied my want for rhubarb. Period. Okay? My desire for rhubarb, which only comes at a little window of time in the year, and I love it, but it did not satisfy, did not gratify my deepest needs, my deepest wants, and my, my deepest desires. You see, we must lay to rest the notion that, that sin is mainly what we do. 
Okay, how many times growing up as a kid did your parents say, what did you do? Okay, so we really believe that it, we did something wrong, and normally we did, okay? If we've done something, we've done something wrong. But the problem with the question, it doesn't get to the heart. What did you do? The real question really comes later when you say, why did I do it? Why did I do it? That's the revealing heart question. But we must lay to rest this notion, this idea that sin is mainly what we do, because it's not. It is mainly who we are. Folks, we are sinners. Now in church, we can say we are sinners saved by grace. Amen? Okay, because you guys are all waiting for me to say that. Okay? I've not forgotten that, but I think one of the things we need to understand is how broken and how far removed we are and how blind we are and how much in the dark we are because of sin that still resides in us even as believers. I've said this before and I'll say it again. I don't need grace just at salvation. I need grace, God's grace, every single day of my life. And so do you. This, this idea that, that sin in us is an, is an everlasting uh, uh, it's, it's an everlasting presence, it's an indwelling enemy that, that must be put to death every single day of our lives by the Spirit of God who lives in us. That's what Romans chapter 8 verse 13 speaks about, that there's in new life and in, in being born again, that we have the Spirit of God that lives in us and the deeds of the flesh can be put to death, must be put to death. Every single day. You see, before Christ, sin is not just some alien power in us. It is our, our preference for anything over God. It is our disapproval of God. It is our exchange for His glories, uh, exchange of glory uh, for substitutes. It is our suppression of His truth. It is our, our heart's hostility to Him and towards Him. It is who we are at the bottom of our hearts until Christ Jesus. Folks, you know what? We cannot look at the world that we live in and say, why can't they be better? Why can't they do better? Why can't they live for God? They don't know God and they don't have God. And so they are lost and they are blind and we cannot expect them to do what is impossible for them to do in and of their, of their own strength. Folks, we can't expect the world to act like Christians. And even us as Christians need to really act more like Christ. You can clap for that. Okay, that's okay. That's all right. You know, um, in our, response, our readings of Scripture through the, through the week, um, we were reading through uh, uh, Genesis 3 and and four, and we were making some observations after Genesis four. That's where uh, Cain kills Abel. And one of the young people in our group said, how in the world could sin go to murder so quickly? That was the question. And I've been thinking about that. Because see, in that person's mind, the behavior or the action of sin revealed itself in murder. But can I ask you a question? Is that where sin began? No. 
Sin began the moment that Adam and Eve said, God, we don't need you. We don't want you. We can be God without you. That's when sin began. And at that moment in time, sin and death were final and eternal the moment that Adam and Eve forsook God's rightful place in their hearts. They were completely separated from God. I love just later in Genesis where, where God makes coverings of skin and, and there's the idea that, that there was the shedding of blood that was in the sacrifice of those animals and, and that the skins covered them they, because they were ashamed that they were naked and, and, and just the, the shame of, of sin and brokenness. But, the, but now they were covered. They're covered by the blood of the Lamb. And the pictures are there early in our Scripture, in the, in the Word of God. And it just reminds us that, 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 um, that this is not what we were made for. Folks, it just, it just just leave the, there's that, now we're back to that vacuum. It's not the way we were meant to be. This bleak description of the root of our, of our sin problem makes it incredibly clear that we were not meant to be this way. We were not meant to live this way. We were not meant to act this way. We were not meant to say the things that come out of our minds or to think the thoughts that come out of our, our minds sometimes. We were not meant this way. This is not what God intended or designed us to be like or to be. Amen? This is not, it reminds, folks, sin just should remind us. The doctrine of sin should then bring us back to the throne of God humbly. It should just drive us to our knees before a holy God who created us to know Him and to love Him and to serve Him and obey Him. It should just drive us to our knees. You see, we were, we were meant to know Him and, and, and love Him and glorify Him and thank Him and worship Him, as it says in Romans chapter 1, 19-21. We were meant to see Him and to know Him and to declare His glory to others around us in Psalm 96. We were meant to seek Him first and foremost above all else in Matthew 6, 33 and Matthew 22, 37-40. We were designed to glorify God by by treasuring, treasuring Him over all treasures, enjoying Him over all pleasures, desiring Him over all desires, prizing Him over, uh, over all prizes, and wanting Him over all wants. If you want to know where that comes from, read the first four commandments in Exodus chapter 20. To love the Lord your God. To have no other God before Him. To make and put no idol that you would bow down before Him. That is what God calls us to do. You see, folks, the mark of a true Christian isn't that sin never or ever gets the upper hand or that our desires are flawlessly Godward. Did you catch what I just said? The mark of a true Christian isn't that sin never or ever gets the upper hand or that our desires are flawlessly Godward because if we believe that, then here's what we're going to do. We are going to perform in order to 
seek God's approval. We will do whatever it takes, and I'm going to tell you right now, you will fail. And I know because I've tried. The mark of a Christian is at the root of our lives in this new treasuring of Christ over all other things. It is Christ, God the Son, God in human form, who came to this earth, who took our place on the cross, who lived a perfect life without sin, who is our substitute, who is um, our Redeemer and our Savior, who by His shed blood paid the price for our sins. It is when we cling to Christ Jesus, God in human form, that we begin to understand that we can live differently that we can walk differently, that we can obey because he now lives in us. It is no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, the human form, I don't live in my own strength and my own power, but I live by God, by God's Spirit who lives in me. You know, as I was thinking about this, just trans, just moving right to communion, and I and I want you to open your Bibles to a passage right now. We haven't done that yet. I've given you lots of references, but I want you to turn to Mark chapter 14. And I, and I think this is very apropos um, with, with communion as we go there today. In Mark chapter 14, starting in verse 17. And just to give you a little background, um, things are leading up to the Passover. Jesus is, is meeting with his disciples. They're preparing for the Passover. Um, the, ta the, the room has been set up and they're ready to go. And in verse 17, I'm just going to pick up there. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve and they were reclining at the table eating. Jesus said, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. Now look up, please, let's look up. Folks, if there's not a picture of sin it's right there. One of the 12, one of God's very own, one who had walked with him, one who had, who had seen his miracles, one who had seen his loving touch, one who had, had experienced and watched the forgiveness of Christ. Here, Jesus says, one of you will betray me. Folks, if, what a prime example of grace. What a prime example of, of Judas... You have an, you, here's your opportunity. Stop. Don't do it. Repent. One of you will betray me. They, were, they began to be sorrowful and to say to one another, is it I? I wish it just said they became sorrowful. I really do. Sorrow means that there is a brokenness over the potential that it could be me. Maybe I should say that it is me. Because we have all betrayed. The, it is this point. It, it, they were sorrowful and then they began to ask, well, who is it? Because they all wanted the pressure taken off. Folks, when we come to the communion table, the communion table is not about a big stick of God that beats the snot out of you. 
That's not what communion is about. It is about the revelation that we are sinners and that we need a Savior. Amen? Repentance is about sorrow. Sorrow for the fact that it is me that has betrayed. That it is you that has betrayed. Not to the point of crucifixion like Judas, but we do betray. Because we do exchange the glory of God for the glory of lesser things every day of our life. Is it I? Yes. The answer is yes. And he said to, to them, it is the one it is one of the twelve uh, who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it, is, as it is written of him, but woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man to have not been born. And as they were eating, he took the bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, and he gave it to them. And he said, this is my body. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. Can I just tell you something? So did Judas. So did Judas. Folks, grace, God's grace is extended far beyond. It is immeasurable. They drank it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. It's just an incredible passage. It's just an incredible passage. And I just want to say that as the Lord and, and Savior of our lives, Christ Christ assumes first place in our hearts when we receive him as our Lord and Savior. And again, he pulls us back again and again to renew our devotion to him as supreme. And I really believe even in that moment, even at the Lord's Supper there in the, in the book of Mark, that Jesus was offering grace again and again to receive. And the practice of communion for you and I as God's family, draws us back to our, our foundation and affirms our faith. It is our proclamation that, uh, of, that we are who and what we are by faith alone, by grace alone, by Christ alone, by Scripture alone, to the glory of God alone. That is what we are saying. That is what we are participating in. Lord, it is all by you. And we thank you. And so as we partake today, if you take your, your cup and, and the, the top tab there is where the bread is, and if you just peel that back. And he said, this is my body. And he says, take and eat it. Take and eat all of it. Take all of me in. You need all of me. He says, take and eat it. Take and eat what I identify with what I have done, that my body was sacrificed in your place. For your sin. Take and eat it. Shall we partake together? The tab on the cup's a little tougher to pull, so 
you work at that. And he takes the cup and he said, this, this cup represents my blood. It's a new covenant. The, the blood, the old covenant was the, the sheep that were sacrificed yearly at the day of atonement. And now Jesus says, I am the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. It is done. It is finished. It is complete. Never to be done again. I paid the price for you. I paid the price for your sin. That doesn't mean that you won't struggle in this life. But you have a Savior. You have a Redeemer. You have a Spirit that calls you and draws you and pulls you back to Him again and again and again. Shall we partake of the cup? A couple thoughts as we close and as we sing our last song. Just a couple thoughts. Parents, I, I just, some, some practical. As we, we've just talked about the doctrine of sin, but we've also brought in the doctrine of Christ and salvation. But I, I have a question for you. And this is a question that is so, so very important for us raising children. Parents, um, how do you treasure God above all else? In your life. Because can I just tell you something? Your kids are watching. Your kids are watching. How do you treasure God above all else? In your conversations, in your driving, in your working, in paying the bills, in, in speaking to one another, um, in all of those things, in all of your practices of life. How do you treasure God? above all else. How do you show your kids that you treasure him? How do you show that? How do you demonstrate that? You know, coming to church is one of those things. You know, church is not a have to. You know, I've grown up in church my whole life since diapers, okay? Sometimes I felt like it was a have to, but no, church is coming together with the body of Christ. Believers, folks, when we go to heaven, you're not going to be by yourself. I'm sorry. You're just not going to be by yourself. You're going to be with the entire family of God. So church, what we have, the local church, it's like, like coming to church is where you and I get to come before the Lord in, in song and in scripture and prayer and in, in hearing the word preached. We get, to, we get to identify with God and we get to glorify Him together. How do you do that? Do your kids see that? Is church important to you? Is the family of God important to you? Kids, young people, how do you love God above all else? Do, when you're at school, do your friends see that you love God? Do they know that you love God? Do they know that you're a believer? Do they see you pray for your lunch at the school table? Do they see you be kind to someone who's being picked on? How do you love God? How do you demonstrate the love of God? How do we set aside the things that so easily entangle us in this life? How do we do that? Those are questions just to think about and to talk about uh, as you go forward from here. I'm going to invite Tom to come up. We're going to just sing a song and just stand as we, as we prepare to sing this song today. Um, uh, create in me a clean heart.